take out your Bibles. And we are in First Chronicles this evening. We haven't been in First Chronicles since last year. We are in chapter 16 tonight, 1 Chronicles 16. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, please grab one from under a seat close by in front of you. I think winter's officially here. I, I'm, I'm like cold now. I mean, I, I, although cold is relative, right? I, I talked with a pastor friend of mine today who's in the States, but he's from Russia. He's here for a couple of days, and then he's on his way to Guatemala for a couple of weeks, and then on his way back. And I told him that I was cold today, and he said when he left, it was 22 below zero where he left from. So, got no sympathy from him. First Chronicles, we're looking at the life and reign of David. And last time, if you were with us, um, if you remember, we looked at the fact that uh, David desired to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the new capital of Israel, that is Jerusalem. David has now conquered and taken over Jerusalem, the city of David, desiring to bring the Ark of the Covenant there. And we saw the first attempt did not follow the word of God, met with disaster, they, the Ark was parked for a couple of months in a, in a, uh, in a home, and then David following the word of the Lord, they went and they finished bringing the ark the proper way. And, and we talked of the fact that David, as he's doing this now and coming into Jerusalem, the celebration, the, the joy in David's heart. And this is like probably the high point in David's life because he's, he has a heart after God. He loves God. And, and here we see this great celebration as we are finishing chapter 15. And we move now into chapter 16, and it says, And they brought the ark of God and placed it inside the tent which David had pitched for it, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. Verse 2, When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He distributed to every one of Israel, both man and woman, every one a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a raisin cake. I... I, I like this is just how it's, it's stated very simply, but there's, there's a great truth in this. It tells us that David, full of the joy of the Lord, yes. And it tells us that he, the, the joy is flowing out of him and he then blesses the people that, that are around him. He passes that blessing and that joy on. But notice what, what it says first in verse two. When David had finished first offering burnt offerings and second offering the peace offerings, as we've studied through the Old Testament, we know that the burnt offerings were, were offered for, 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 for covering of sin, but for consecration, for setting yourself apart for God. But the peace offering was through communion with God, that, that idea of, of drawing closer to God with that, through, through a close personal relationship with God, communing with God. And it's only after we consecrate ourselves and have our time with the Lord in communion, close personal communion with the Lord, that we can truly bless others that are around us. The joy of the Lord as we have our time with God, our personal time with God, then that can flow into the lives of others. 
One of the things that we, we talk of often, and I encourage people always, to have that daily time with the Lord, personal, intimate time with the Lord. And I recommend that it be the first part of your day. I know many people say, well, I'm just not a morning person, you know, and, and I get that. I understand that. I, I am, but I, I wasn't always. And it takes, a, you know, it does take that, that decision to do that. And I'm not saying you have to, but, you know, it is a blessing. Starting your day with the Lord, setting aside that time, the first part of your day, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, consecrating, setting your life, your, your day apart for the Lord having that personal time with the Lord, and then as you go out full of the joy of the Lord in your life, being able to bless others around you. We see David does this. He distributes then, again, as part of this just huge party, and, and David's heart as he's sharing it around with everybody. He, he distributes out a loaf of bread, a big old hunk of meat, and a raisin cake for dessert for everybody in all of Israel as they, they continue to celebrate this great thing the Ark of the Covenant coming to Jerusalem. It tells us in verse four, and for the remainder of this chapter, we're gonna take a look at a psalm that David wrote that was put to, put to music and sung. And we'll, we'll see the band as it's put together here, but the heart of David behind this, and I, and I will spend some time going through this tonight because we know David, a man after God's own heart, but we know something about David and his heart when we look at how David thinks of himself. At the end of his life, David, referring to himself, doesn't call himself the king of Israel. He doesn't call himself the giant slayer. He refers to himself as the psalmist, the one who, the one who just rejoiced in, in expressing his love and his, his praise and his worship. And we see here that it's, you know, again, this is such a big thing to David. It says that he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord, even to celebrate and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, and second to him, Zechariah, and then Jael, and Simeroth, and, and Jehiel, Matthiah, Eliah, Benaiah, Obed-Edom, and another Jael, with musical instruments, harps, lyres, and Asaph, played loud-sounding cymbals. Asaph is, is a musician. Um, we've talked of him already. He is one that's also credited with writing some of the psalms. And Benaiah and Jeziel, the priests who blew trumpets continually before the Ark of the Covenant. Then on that day, David first assigned Asaph and his relatives, notice, to give thanks to the Lord. To give thanks to the Lord. As we're going to look at this incredible psalm that was put to music so the song of david's heart and the people's heart as we will go through this together notice it is given to give thanks and as we look at verse verse 8 it starts out oh give thanks to the lord one of david david penned also that we are entering the the gates with thanksgiving and the courts with praise thanksgiving a heart that realizes that everything that we have comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. Everything that we have. And 
I, as I mentioned a little this weekend and sharing about my trip over the last couple of weeks, one of the things that it, that it always does to anybody who's ever been to a third world country, ever been a part of going away from what we have and we can often take for granted here is this overwhelming sense of thanksgiving for all of the blessings that God has given to us, that we are, we are just so, so blessed. And as we now will look at this psalm of thanksgiving, that covers the next 30 or so verses, we see the, the heart again of David. We see that that is really the most important part of worship. The heart of thanksgiving, the heart behind, the heart of the worshiper. And then out, flowing out of that heart, the lyrical content of the, of the psalm as we go. And again, notice, first of all, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Now, when we call upon God's name, the focus there is not uh, the phonetic pronunciation of the name of God. It has nothing to do with phonetic. By the way, isn't it strange that phonetic doesn't, isn't spelled any way that's not like it sounds? I, just, I find that about the most ironic thing around. But it's, it, it's not about how to pronounce Yahweh or Jehovah. There's a whole lot of arguments about what that was. Whatever. They don't, we don't know because that's not what it was about. That's not what it means when it talks about the, the, the name of the Lord. It's the reality behind the name. It's not, the, it's not the what, it's the who behind the name. The fact that it looks at the character of the person. You know, we have a, a saying, he has a good name, right? I mean, that's speaking of somebody's character. And when we're looking at the name of God, we look at the unchanging character of God behind who he is, behind his name, his attributes. We, I've made reference to this before, and this is so important because the attributes of God come around one word. See, the angels circle God continually in heaven, and they don't say love, love, love. They don't say mercy, mercy, mercy. They don't say grace, grace, grace. They say holy, holy, holy. The main attribute, the one that all the others hang on and are around is God's holiness, his absolute otherness. Wrapped up in that holiness is his grace, is his mercy, is his love, is his justice, is the fact that he is all-powerful, the creator God. The fact that he knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. He is the beginning and the end. He exists outside anything that we can possibly put him in. This, this last couple of weeks at a time of devotion that I was having with the Lord and just reading through and in a prayer, I was praying. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry when I get ahead of you. And he just kind of touched me a little bit. says, you know what, Brett, that's impossible. You can't get ahead of me. And then it just blessed my heart to think, you know what? The great thing about it is he's always ahead of me. Even making provision for my impatience. Those areas where we can say, well, I got ahead of God. No, 
We, we got outside of God's plan, perhaps, or got outside of his timing that he desired. But the great thing about God is he's way ahead of that. He's already making provision for those things and allowing us to come back in line. His, his immutability. The, behind the name, the attributes of God that is there is the fact that he never changes. He is always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And I, I, the, the way this starts out, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Guys, that's something that we need to never lose sight of the fact that we should always be thankful for, that we can call upon his name. That he invites us to come any time to the throne of grace and mercy. The the door is always open for us because Jesus paid the way for us with his own blood. We have access to his throne to call upon him anytime we want, anytime that we need. And when we call upon his name, we are calling upon that one, the one who has the answer for everything that we need, who, who understands what we're going through, our high priest who isn't one who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but he understands, went through everything that we do yet without sin. The one who's all-powerful, sovereign God. It's interesting, in Exodus chapter 34, Moses, when he went back up to get the replacement copies of the Ten Commandments, he asked if he could see the Lord. And in Exodus 34, verse 5, it says, The Lord descended in a cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the God, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunishing, unpunished, visiting iniquity on the fathers and children, the grandchildren, the third and fourth generation. Speaking again of calling upon the name of the Lord, this one who is all of those attributes. And those are just the things that we can somehow even put a grasp on. He is so much more. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Make known his deeds. And we'll take a look at that a little bit, a little bit more in a second, but making known his deeds by action. We'll see the three things that are lined out with this. By actions, the things that we do. We know Jesus said that he is the light of the world, but he said to us, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp, put it under a basket, put on a lampstand so it gives light to the whole house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. That again, we point, that's not something we manufacture. We're not light manufacturers. We are light reflectors. Let your light shine reflecting his light in such a way 
that the world sees those deeds, sees those things. As we are reflecting him, we are showing the world in our actions that we belong to him. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And when the world sees those things, first of all, they need to see them. Are we reflecting in such a way that the world sees, the world recognizes that we're different, recognizes that we're light? But notice also, as Jesus said this, notice is in such a way that the glory goes to the Father, not to us. Understanding that again, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. We're simply reflecting, we're simply just walking this out. Make known his deeds to the people through our actions, those things that we do that bring glory to God. Notice, secondly, too, not just in our actions, but sing to him. Sing praises to him. Now, I know that there are some of you who are very talented in this area. Several of them, three of you led us in worship earlier tonight. Others like me, not so much. Not at all, actually. But thinking of this, this singing Psalm 40, also a psalm of David, says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently. I was, I was crying out to God, waiting patiently, and understanding that if there's a time of waiting, it's a time of preparation for us, continuing to prepare us for the answer to that prayer. But then he says, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footstep firm. As born-again believers, we, we can all relate to that. We were all stuck in the mud and taken out by his powerful hand and now placed on the firm foundation, the rock, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our footing firm now. And because of that, he goes on to say in verse three, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Put a new song in our mouth. You see, the old song, I don't know about you, but the old song for me was me, 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 me. That was my old song. It was all about me. I'll tell you what, God put a new song in my mouth. All about him. Because you see, the things that I wanted to do before in my flesh and the things I was chasing after, trying to find satisfaction, trying to find happiness, trying to find joy, trying to find everything else that the world says that you can have if you chase after those things, found out that's impossible. But I have now since found out that living for him, giving all of my desires, all of my plans, everything to him, peace, joy, happiness, is him possible. It's, he's put that new song in my mouth, a new song in my heart. And as we again live this out and we shine and we reflect that, the world sees. The world sees. 
Make known to him, sing to him, sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Speak, share. We've talked of this several times going through Acts and talking of, of Paul, that, you know, as, especially now as he's giving his defense. And Peter tells us that we are all to be ready at all times to give a defense. If anyone is to ask us about the hope that is in us, so if we are out there living like this, that we're supposed to be these deeds, this, this joy that's in our heart because of the new song that's in our mouth, and people see that and, and ask us, what's up with you? <laughs> we need to always be ready to share what it is that's in us, the, why we have this hope, why we're different, because we're, we're all facing the same things. We're all going through the same struggles and trials in the world, health, relationship, economy, whatever it might be. But the world sees that we handle it differently as followers of Jesus because we have a hope realizing this is not our home. This is a temporary spot. There is an eternity waiting for us with God in heaven. And that hope that we have, we need to be ready to share. We need to be ready to speak of it. Jesus, when he cast the demons out of the demon-possessed man into the herd of pigs, they went down and ran down the hill then and into the Sea of Galilee and, and drowned in the Sea of Galilee. And the man said to Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to come after you. I want to I learn from you. And Jesus said, no, you go back into the towns. You go back into your area and you, you tell them what I did for you. You tell them the great mercy that you've received. Just go tell. Go share your story. I mentioned, I think this past weekend, people can try to argue different things all they want. They'd be, I mean, it, it's, it's really senseless, but they can argue all of the, you know, creation, evolution, you know, all this other kind of stuff. They want to have that argument with you. Don't go there. They can't argue the change in your life. They can't argue what Jesus has done in your life. They can't. Tell them what God has done for you. Glory, verse 10, glory in his holy name. Now, glory, interestingly enough, here is, is used as a verb. We're going to see it used later as a noun as we continue on, but it's a verb here. It means to boast. It means to praise. It means to, to eulogize. In Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, it says, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, let not a mighty man boast of his might, nor a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, judges, or justice and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. The world boasts and all of those other things, power, riches, all of that. God says, don't boast in any of that. First of all, you had nothing to do with it. And again, coming from where I've been the last couple of weeks, I can tell you one thing. Donald Trump wouldn't be sitting where he is today if he'd have been born in Rakhine State in Burma. He had nothing to do with where he was born, who his parents were. I mean, I find it interesting that people boast in all of these things that they had no control over. Sovereign God. 
Don't boast in any of those things. Boast in the fact that we understand and know the creator of the universe because he's revealed himself to us in his son. That he's made himself known to us. He's revealed himself to us in our heart. He's allowed us into this area where we can get that glimpse. We, we can never understand him fully. The Bible tells us that, that his word and the, all of this is foolishness until we come to that knowledge of him. Glory in his holy name. It's interesting that word glory is hallel, the Greek, Greek word, the prefix for hallelujah. That praise, Yah, meaning God, praise the Lord. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Seek. Not a, a casual glance. Seeking. The Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not difficult. It's impossible to please God without faith. And the one who comes to God must believe that he is, but also that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Who, who not just seek what they can get from him, but seek him. It's interesting when it speaks of this, to seek his face continually. Just, just as the same way we would understand face. Face-to-face conversation in a day, <laughs> the technology that we have today. I mean, it's, it, it's, face-to-face conversations become more and more rare today. Even when I want to get a hold of my daughter and she's in her bedroom, I text her. And it just, it, the, face-to-face. But that's the idea here, to seek his face. And that's his desire from us, is to seek his face, that close, intimate relationship not a not a text again the prophet jeremiah lord speaking says for i know the plans that i have for you declares the lord plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and i will listen to you you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart now, when, when God says that, it's not because he just wants some really crazy hard game of hide and seek. You know, this is how you got to do it, you know. No, his desire again, though, is that intimate relationship with us. When we seek him with our whole heart, I love the song we sang earlier, that, that having a divided heart keeps us from having that intimate relationship with him that that he desires so much and then when we have that it's one of those things that man i can't i can't live without but it's the divided heart when we get caught up in these other things and other pursuits that are outside of him seek the lord with and his strength seek his face continually Remember, verse 12, his wonderful deeds, which he has done, and his marvels and the judgment from his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servants, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, 
He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Interesting that word remember that's here in verses 12, and it'll see, we'll see it again in verse 15. Remember, it's the same word, Hebrew word, is back in verse 4 that is translated celebrate. Remember. See, the idea behind saying remember here isn't just to bring to recollection. It is, it's an internal recognition that, that, that then produces an external response. This, this idea that to remember the things that God has done, but in that process, praise him because of it. And it tells us that we are to remember the wonderful deed. Remember the, his marvels, the thing, his, his miraculous touch. And his judgments that come from his mouth. Now that may sound, you know, to, to celebrate his judgments. But that word literally means his decisions, those things that, that he chooses. The same word, again, is used, David, in, in Psalm 19, where he says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the, the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Again, why? Because he's the creator of all things who created us, knows what is best for us, and loves us so much to tell us all about it. Do these things and you will be blessed. Do these things and you will be harmed. He tells us, he loves us enough to tell us these things in his word. And David is smart enough to say, praise the Lord for those things. Celebrate them. Remember what he said, follow after it, and then rejoice in those things. Remember also his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. And we... Remember the eternal covenant that we have, the new covenant in his blood, shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Remembering again that, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. But that remembrance, again, isn't just some mental recognition. It needs to be something that then is, is worked out in our lives. There's a response to that. The word which he commanded a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. He also confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as a portion of your inheritance when they are only a few in number, very few and strangers in it. And they wandered about from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people. He permitted no one to oppress them and he removed, he reproved kings for their sake saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. The everlasting covenant God made with Israel, he's speaking of here. Now, up to this point, from verse 8 through 22, it is an exact quote from Psalm 105, verses 1 through 15. Now, we jump to the remainder of the text here in, in this, is from Psalm 96. 
David, maybe, I guess, I don't know which was written first. If those others were written first, this is maybe like a greatest hits collection as he's bringing them together. But we're going to see kind of some, not necessarily repetition, but um, if we keep going at this pace, it'll take us a couple of weeks to get through these. So I'm going to pick it up a little bit as we read. But notice again, the continual praise and reflection on, again, who God is, his attributes, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heaven. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Now remember earlier I mentioned that glory, the word translated glory earlier, hallel, that's a verb, that's action. This word glory here, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name is a noun, and it literally means the weight, the substance giving him, again, praising him, giving him the due that he deserved. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy array. Worship the Lord in holy array. How, what, is, what does that mean? How does, how does that happen? Well, David asked the question, who can approach the throne? Who can enter the courts except those with clean hands and pure heart. Worshiping the Lord with holy array means worshiping the Lord with clean hands and pure heart. Now, how does that process happen? How do we clean our hands and, and purify our hearts? Well, we can't. Did you, when you, when you tell your, your kids, you go wash your hands, you realize that it's impossible for a child to wash his hands? It's impossible for you to wash your hands. You see, the soap is what washes your hands. The soap and water. All you're doing for your hands is making them available for the soap and water to do what only the soap and water can do. You can do all you want with your hand. Try to do whatever you can, but you'll never be able to clean your hands unless you make them available to the soap and the water. And again, same thing with clean hands and pure hearts. We cannot clean our hands and purify our hearts, but we can make them available to the one who can. And so when we worship in holy array, we come and we confess any sin. God, cleanse me. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unright. Worship the Lord in holy array. Holy, again, that word means separate. To be one of the definitions that looking under that, it says to be removed from the common. From the everyday, the, the mundane, the, the, the worldly things, to remove ourselves from that. To be separate from that. In the world, but not of the world. Clean. 
Tremble before him all the earth. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then the trees and the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. This, all of the earth rejoicing, all of the earth singing his praises, what a blessing it is that we, as, God, as this part, this, this this one created in his image, the only, as human beings, the only one who can praise him now in, in his creation. The rocks want to. The trees want to. Jesus said, when he, they told, tell your disciples to stop this. Said, well, if they were quiet, the rocks would cry out. We have the privilege now. Then savers. 35, save us, O God, for our salvation, and gather us and deliver us from the nation. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting. Then all the people said, amen, <laughs> and praised the Lord. You were wondering if that was biblical. It's right there. Amen, amen. Uh, I, I would encourage you to go back through this and read this song. Read this, this worship song, if you would. I, I, I'd love it if we had the tune, right? I mean, and we could sing it along together because there's something about singing a song that you remember the lyrics, right? I mean, I, I, I hate it because I struggle at times to memorize scripture. I can't, da, 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 but I'll hear a song on the radio that I haven't heard since I was in high school, and it's just, I could sing it right along, right? I haven't, something about, about music, something about this, but again, the, the lyrical content of this worship here is just, is, is amazing. So he left, verse 37, he left Asaph and his relatives there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister before the Ark continually as every day's work required. And Obed-Edom with 68 relatives, Obed-Edom also the son of Jeduthun and Hosa, the gatekeepers. He left Zadok, the priest, and his relatives, the priests before the tabernacle of the Lord in the high places, which was at Gibeon. The tabernacle, Moses that put together the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, that is still in Gibeon, that the altar, as we'll see here, the altar is still there. That is where the sacrifices are, the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. Verse 40 tells us, to offer burnt offerings before the Lord on the altar of burnt offerings, continually morning and evening, even according to all that is written in the law of the Lord, which he commanded Israel. That is still in Gibeon. They're separated for a time. And we'll see here in chapter 17 that David's desire to build the temple, uniting those, a house for the Lord. With them were Haman and Jeduthun and the rest of those who were chosen, who were designated by name to give thanks to the Lord because his loving kindness is everlasting. And with them were Haman and Jeduthun with trumpets and cymbals 
For those who should sound aloud and with the instruments of the songs of God and the sons of Zeduthun for the gate. Then all the people departed each to his house, and David returned to bless his household. Chapter 17, and it came about when David dwelt in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I'm dwelling in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is in a, under a curtain. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. David's desire is to build a temple for the Lord, to build a place for God to dwell to put the Ark of the Covenant there and to bring the others and to have the worship then centralized there. That's in David's heart. And Nathan, the prophet, says, man, that's, that's great. That's so good. It's got to be from God, right? Not so fast. <laughs> Verse 3 came about the same night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell David my servant, thus says the Lord, you shall not build a house for me to dwell in. Interesting. Because we know that, again, David, a man after God's own heart, we just read through and studied through one of his psalms, his heart pouring out God, loving God. Nathan, God is with you. And God was with David, but not with his plan. This one in, in particular. David, the, the thing that he wants to do is good. If we re, In 2 Chronicles, when his son Solomon is, is dedicating the temple that he would build, he says in that, that God speak, that God had spoken, that the desire in David's heart is good. God did not have a problem with David's desire to do this. The problem was that God just said, no, not you, David. And it wasn't because of sin in David's life. It wasn't because of anything other than God just basically said, I, because I said so. See, God's, God's plans are often different than ours. And this to me is, is an extremely powerful lesson as we'll, when we finish looking through this here, because God's plans, though they, they are different than ours, are way better than ours. They're way bigger than ours. Again, he knows the beginning from the end. He is the beginning and the end. He has an eternal plan. And though we might not see it, we might not understand it, we might not get the particular details, something may be very, very good. But if any of you read Oswald Chambers, you'll know sometimes the thing that gets in the way of God's best is our very good. Because he desires the best and he knows the best. And this is a great thing. It, it, it's, not a, it's not a bad thing that he's in. And I, I just want to say this to, to anybody here who, who is in a struggle that, is, that you're desiring something that's good. It's not sin. Matter of fact, it's a good thing. Maybe... Maybe you've been praying to God about the, the right person to marry. Or you're married and you've been praying, God, we, we want to have kids. We want to raise a family that honors you. But to this point, you haven't been able to have children. Or maybe it's a job situation. You say, God, if I could just get 
this particular job in this area. I know that I could honor you with this or whatever. Or maybe it's a ministry. I've, I've met other, some people sometimes have been praying, feeling, saying, I know that I, I, I want to go out and be a missionary. I want to go do this. I wanna, I'm ready to do that. But God just doesn't seem to be opening the doors. The enemy will probably try to tell you and convince you it's because of something you're doing or something you're not doing. Something that it's sin in your life, or you need to do this, or God's mad at you, or God doesn't want to use you. No, God has something better for you. God has something bigger for you. And if you seek his face, you seek his name, you go to him, and you just diligently follow after him and allow him to guide and direct, You might not, you might not ever figure it out and find out here as David's going to find out, but he would never witness it, the promise that's coming. Verse 5, the Lord's saying, you shall not build a house for me to dwell in. God is saying this to Nathan. Nathan will relay this message to David. For I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel to this day, but I have gone from tent to tent and from dwelling place to another. In all places where I have walked with all Israel, have I spoken a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be leader over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all of your enemies from before you. And I will make you a name like the name of the great ones who are in the earth. I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and not be moved again. And the wicked will not waste them anymore as formerly. Even from the day that I command judges to be over my people Israel, and I will subdue all your enemies. Moreover, I tell you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are fulfilled, that you may go to be with your fathers, that I set up one of your descendants after you who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build for me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be as my own son. And I will, take my loving kind, I will not take my loving kindness away from him as I took it away from the one before you, meaning Saul. But I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. Now we know immediately that is fulfilled in Solomon, his son, who will build the temple. But we know ultimately and completely it is fulfilled in Jesus, the one who sits on the throne forever, as it's outlined in Isaiah 9. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. Name will be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And on the throne of David, he will sit, reign forever. According to all these words and according to the vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Now, verse 16 and following quickly, notice David does not go into pouting. He goes into praising again. David the king went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? This was a small thing in your eyes, O God, but you have spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come and have regarded me according to the standard of a man of high degree, O Lord God. What more can David still say to you concerning the honor bestowed on your servant? 
for you know your servant. O Lord, for your servant's sake and according to your own heart, you have wrought all the greatness to make known all these things. O Lord, there's none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make you a name by great and terrible things in driving out nations before your people whom you redeemed out of Egypt. For your people Israel, you made your own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. Verse 23, and now, O Lord, let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house be established forever and do as you have spoken. That's a great prayer, especially when it goes against our initial desire. God, who am I? You are the creator, God. You are the one who redeemed me. You are the one who loves me. You're the one who knows me better than I know myself. You're the one who knows tomorrow. You're the one who has the eternal plan. Let your will be done in my life. Do as you have spoken. Do as you you have decided. Let your name be established and magnified forever, saying the Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, even a God to Israel and the house of David, your servant, is established before you. For you, O my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build for him a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray before you. Now, O Lord, you are God. You have promised this good thing to your servant. Now it has pleased you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord, have blessed, and it is blessed forever. What an amazing God we serve, amen? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we've, we've covered a lot tonight. Lord, I pray that these things would settle into our own heart as they did in David. That you are, you are God. You are almighty God. And all of your holiness, all that that entails. Lord, we, we only get a slight glimpse. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have access to you all the time. Whatever it is we're going through, whatever it is that we're facing, we don't have to take a number or wait in line. You are eager to hear from us. Lord, we bring our, our petition to you. You know our desires even before we ask them, but you still desire that that conversation with us. But Lord, as we bring them, Lord, let us also bring our praise to you for who you are. Lord, our desire is to live a life that reflects your goodness. Lord, that we would walk in those things that you have ordained for us, those good deeds, that you would receive all the glory. Lord, that our, this song, this new song that you have placed in our mouth, Lord, that we would we would sing that new song and that we would share your truth with the world around us that they may know you. We're good. Lord, we can trust you. And Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight struggling in that area, 
struggling with decisions to be made or, or the fact that you've perhaps closed doors. Lord, I pray that you would just increase our faith and our trust in you, that you know what's best. Lord, that's our desire. We want what you want. So have your way in us. Thank you and praise you. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a good rest of the week.